Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Amen. Well, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within your gates. Oh, Jerusalem, it is good to be here gathered with God's people. Good to see so many of you guys out today. I think the weather's nice, so it drew people out. Uh, but it's good to, to see you guys. You know, when we gather, there's a few things that happens. Uh, number one, we get to fellowship and, you know, get to see your brothers and sisters. Number two, we get to worship through song. You know, I try to say this consistently, but worship time isn't entertainment time. It's, it's in a concert. This is, this is where we come in and we get to jump in and, and, and join in this idea of worshiping. The Lord sits and receives it. You know, you can worship at home. It's nothing. In fact, you should worship at home. But there's something about corporate worship. There's something about coming together. You ever came into the church and you were like emotionally low and you got into worship and then the thickness of the presence of the Lord was in the room and you just felt better when you walked out? Worship does something great. That's why the Bible says in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. We get joy when we get in the presence of God. Uh, we, but we also gather to get into the word of God. Uh, that's my responsibility pretty consistently here. Uh, so if you do me a favor, grab your Bibles, your devices or whatever it is that contains the word of God. Go to Luke chapter 9. Luke 9 is where we're going to be. My nieces and nephew, my niece and nephews are in church today. My niece, Jasmine, my wave your hand, Jazz. That's my, my niece, and that's my, my now uh, nephew, her husband, uh, got to marry them off. CJ, wave your hand, CJ. And, and, and Jordan, wave your hand, Jordan. That's my oldest brother's uh, children, love them. Uh, man, I'm glad to be back with you guys today. Ty and I were in Colorado last week, had to preach at an amazing church called Trace Church. And actually, it's not Colorado, it's in Colorado Springs. Uh, and if you've ever been to Colorado Springs, it's, it sits 6,000 uh, feet up into the air. They kind of built the city into the mountains. And so when you look around and you're driving, it's, you're surrounded by nothing but mountains. It was absolutely beautiful. But I'm, I'm glad to be back. I, I, I'm from, I love the concrete jungle. I do. I, I love the smell of trash and smog, fresh pee in the subway. It's just, it just does something to my heart. You feel it too, huh? It makes me feel at home, but I'm, I'm glad to be back. Uh, shout out to Warner. I did see him somewhere here. Warner, wave your hand, brother. Wave your hand. Wave your hand. There he is. Shout out to Warner. He preached uh, last week, did a phenomenal job. It's so crazy. When I first met uh, Warner, he was single at that time, and he was pursuing Janelle, uh, his wife now. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, she'll tell you the story. She wasn't feeling him. He's like, yo, come on, man. He's a good brother. He's a good dude. And now look at them, married, uh, got one, one child and another one on the way. And uh, to see him preaching up here has just did my heart so good. So let's thank God for Warner's ability to carry the word. All right. Uh, before we dig into Luke chapter 9, I just, I'm going to breathe a really, really quick word on, um, on the, the turning of Roe versus Wade. Uh, I actually... We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I tried my best to prepare the church for, you know, the document that was leaked. I think we all knew where the Supreme Court was leaning, you know, so we tried to make sense of it a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I was surprised how quickly it happened. 
And, um, you know, I tried to share with you, like, man, we as Christians, we really have a responsibility to protect the the, the uh, infant inside the womb, but we also have a responsibility to care for the mother. And oftentimes we have been guilty um, or, uh, of just saying no abortion, no abortion, no abortion. It's like, yo, you have not lovingly entered into um, what we would say is a very hard decision uh, that a young lady and any young, young man sometimes has to make. And so uh, I, I'm not going to really deal with that portion of it more than I want to say I have personally been a little bit grieved and discouraged when I've looked online and I've saw, I saw over the last couple of weeks how the church, not just not this church, but the, the global church has responded. It has been so unloving. It has been so not Christ-like. It has been so cultish. And you know, if you were on the fence, you know, if you were either de-churched or unchurched, or you kind of on the fence about church, um, I think we lost a lot of people that were interested in, and in, in maybe even skeptical, but interested. I think we lost a lot of people because of how unloving I think collectively the church had represented this Roe versus Wade uh, overturning. In fact, I saw a pastor post, if y'all don't like it, stop having sex. Like, that don't, that don't, that don't help nobody. I saw Christians that I know are professing Christians being unloving and kind of doing tennis texts and throwing out, you know, smacking a, a scripture over it. And it's like, man, how do we you know, I love Ecclesiastes 3.7 that, that says that there's a time to speak and there's a time to listen. And there has to be a moment where you just kind of pause and hear the hurt, hear the pain, hear the decisions, enter into the complexity of this issue. If, we, if you're just throwing scriptures, what we're doing is we're trying to make it black and white when it's really gray. We're trying to make it really, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's hard. And so um, enter into the complexity of it. You know, we really have an opportunity to represent Jesus, even with this, no matter where you stand on the fence, you have an opportunity to represent Jesus. And, you know, I told the first service, I wonder how Jesus would have responded if he was just an American citizen. How would he have responded? My guess is that he would respond like he responded to the adulterous woman when they brought the adulterous woman and said, our law says we passed legislation. This woman is not supposed to be an adulteress. What do you say? The Bible says Jesus got on the ground and drew in the ground, drew in the dirt, and then got up and says, he that is without sin cast the first stone. Everybody started dropping their stones one by one. Bop, bop, bop. All the stones started dropping. The Bible says from the youngest to the oldest. And then it gives us a detail. It says that the woman was left alone with Jesus. Now hear this. I'm not preaching this, but hear this. Jesus says, he that is without sin cast the first stone. So by his words, he could have picked up a stone and cast it at her. And he would have been legit. But you know what he does? He gives her grace. And then he says, go and sin no more. He enters into where she is. I wonder how many men have done her dirty up until this point. But this man, Jesus, enters into where she is and gives her grace. And so I just... I want to put that out there to us. We, we have to find ways to be loving. We have to find ways to hear. We have to stop being so judgmental. This is why the church, say it again, we have to stop being so judgmental. It's, you know, the church has a bad reputation. Plus, I, I have a hard time rejoicing over a government that tries to pull the moral card. When I was three-fourths of a human a few years ago, a few centuries ago. But I'm not, I'm not, I feel myself digressing and a little vinegar is coming up in me, so... Luke chapter 9. All right, Luke chapter 9. If you're there, if you just say, yep. Yeah. All right, verse 1. 
Do me a favor. If you're in Luke 9, uh, also grab, if you have a physical copy, put your finger in Matthew 10. If you have a device or whatever, just kind of be ready to toggle or or scroll or whatever you got to do to get to Matthew 10. We're actually going to be in both chapters. I'm going to read Luke 9, though. And he, meaning Jesus, called the 12, meaning the disciples together, and gave them power. Somebody say power. And authority. Somebody say authority. Over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money. And do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter into, or you enter, stay there. We're going to do some work there because Matthew gives more context to this idea of staying in the house. And from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you. Let me say that again. And wherever they do not receive you. When you leave town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. I want to preach today from the topic entitled Overcoming Rejection. Overcoming Rejection. Let's uh, look to the Lord. Uh, Father, Hebrews says that your word is alive and it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And so, Father, today we don't know it, but what we need is surgery. So, Lord, would you cut our hearts? Would you, would you cut our thoughts? Would you, would you cut our behavior? But I'm so grateful that you're the great physician, the great surgeon that doesn't just cut us and leave us wounded, but you heal us. So, Lord, would you cut us and then restore us back together? And may we walk out of here today fully healed, oh God. We give full consent for the surgery today. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Overcoming rejection. I was a sophomore in high school when I first experienced um, what I would say is rejection. That actually stuck with me for a few years. Um, This may not be a big deal to you, but I I was playing, I was a sophomore and I was playing football and my coaches came to me and was like, yo, we, you know, we, we see some skills, man. We, we'd love to have you try out for the varsity team. Now, typically, at least in the context of where I grew up at, sophomores played j- junior varsity. We played JV. The, jun- the juniors and the seniors played varsity. And so it, was too, it wasn't my time to play varsity, but there was an opening. The coaches saw something. They said, come. And your boy was nice. Let me just put that out there. I don't want y'all confused on anything. Your boy was nice. And so I, I got on the field, and the tryouts were in the summer, and I'm trying out, and I'm working. I'm doing, I'm crossing all the T's. I'm dotting all the I's. I know the playbook. I got the right tackles. I got the right moves. I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And then out of nowhere, and by the way, I was starting up into that point, and, and, and somewhere during that summer, I severely sprained my ankle. It was so bad I heard the pop in my, in my ankle and my ankle swelled up and I had to do uh, therapy and, and, and rehab to get my ankle strong again and uh, it took me out all summer. But I actually was able to return right before the season started. A couple weeks before the season started, I got back on the field and you know, I'm arrogant so I was like, I'm, I'm jump right back in this position. And the day before the first football game, they gave us the starting lineup and to my surprise, I was not on the starting lineup. Not only did I sit the bench that game, I sat the bench throughout the entire season. I'm willing to bet if I pass the mic around, and yeah, that may not scar you, that hurt me for a few years. 
And, and if I pass the mic around and I took this headset off and I said, man, share your stories of hurt. I bet you you have pain of rejection and it doesn't just go back to last month. It didn't just go back to the pandemic. I bet you if we can pinpoint when you first felt rejection, I bet you we can point back 20, 30, 40 years ago of stuff that you were still dealing with. And the reality of some of you came in here and you still are dealing with it. Because here's what I found out about rejection. Rejection has a way of breeding offense. And offense, if it sits long enough, breeds bitterness. And bitterness gets us stuck. And many of you walked in today and you're, 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 you're hurting. And some of you are like, I never experienced it. I, let me just say this. Live a little longer and you will be rejected because rejection is unavoidable. Rejection is inescapable. It's unpreventable. None of us can get around rejection. In fact, we'll see in the text that it's unavoidable. Every job you will not get. Every relationship will not work out. Every date ain't going to end well. I need somebody to say amen right there. <laughs> every friendship is not going to work. Every, I'm telling you, you're not going to get, you're going to apply for the bank loan and you won't get the bank loan. You're going to apply for the promotion and you won't get the promotion. Here's the question. What mechanisms do we have in place since we know that rejection will happen? What mechanisms do we have in place to help us cope with our rejection issues? Because many of us are walking around salty, angry, and bitter because we've been rejected. But how do you go on in life in a healthy way and process your rejection? Scriptures, I think today is going to give us it's going to give us help because I understand that rejection is hard to get over. Again, we're in Luke chapter 9 and we're in Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to be honest. I'm giving you really today secondary application of the text because the primary application is Jesus is sending the disciples out and they are being rejected for the faith. So I don't, I don't want to twist this. Today, I really want to talk about some, I want to pull out some principles that we can apply as a secondary application. First application is being rejected for the faith, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we can apply if we just think about it as rejection overall. Uh, I got four, four points I want to go through real quick. Uh, number one, expect rejection. If you're taking notes, it's a good place. Re expect rejection. Number two, be cautious of your connections. Many of us, so I said rejection is unavoidable, but many of us have entered into rejection because we ignored the signs that that relationship really wasn't it. So be cautious of your connections. Number three, learn to let it go. And then finally, number four, look for other opportunities. Let's, let's deal with all four of them. First one, expect rejection. Pick me back up in verse one. Verse 1 says, and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. I am not surprised that Jesus in the passage today is sending out the 12. The 12 meaning the 12 disciples. He does it later on too. He sends out 70. And let me, just in case you think you're a Christian that's a hermit that's supposed to just come to church and go home and that's it. Let me just be, care, be clear. The same way he sent the 12 out, he sends us out. All of us in this room, you're, you're, you're never called to just come in. You're always called to go. This is why in the Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples. Unfortunately, we've tried to make disciples by asking people to come. But the church isn't a place where you just come. The church is a place we go. 
And so he's sending out the 12, and I'm not surprised. Why? Because in Matthew, um, before he sends out the 12, they're praying. And what are they praying for? They're praying for workers in the harvest. So the answer to the prayer is God is like, oh, y'all pray for workers in the harvest. You are the workers. So he sends them out almost as an answer to prayer. But what Luke leaves out that Matthew brings up in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, before they leave, Jesus gives them a statement that honestly, I'm still wrestling with. Here's the statement Jesus gives them. He's about to send them out. He's like, oh, wait, 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 boys, before y'all go out, behold, I am sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. I'm just telling you now, if I'm one of the disciples and Jesus is sending me out, I was like, yo, you're going to be a sheep and you're going to go talk to the wolves. I'm just not going to feel warm and fuzzy about the mission. I'm, I'm not going to feel too, too confident about the mission, but that's exactly what he does. Jesus sends sheep out in the midst of wolves and no wonder we're rejected. You don't fit. No, no wonder. We, this is why I said expect rejection because you're a sheep and you're going out in the midst of wolves. I've never, Matthias, seen a sheep beat a wolf. I, I've, it always ends bad for the sheep. And like, can you imagine like a sheep and a wolf fighting and the sheep beat the wolf up and the wolf got to go back to the wolf pack? They could be like, Carl, what happened, bro? That just sounds like a good wolf name. Like a sheep bit me. Like you never see that. It always ends bad for the sheep. But here's why I rejoice because I know, I know that how y'all think you're going, oh, man, this is, why I don't, this is why I ain't going because he's sending me out in the midst of wolves. Do you know who our shepherd is? Our shepherd always protects us against the wolf, but nevertheless, he's sending you out among people that bite. He's sending you out amongst people that reject. He's sending you out amongst people, and some of it, and that's the thing about wolves. They don't often look like wolves. Sometimes they look like sheep. And that's the worst. I'm okay if I'm getting bit by somebody that I expect to get bit by. But when it's somebody close, when it's a friend, when it's a family member, when it's somebody I've invested in, when it's somebody that I gave to, when they, I gave my time and I gave my attention and I gave my money, and they still ain't give it back and they bite me. That is the worst. Wolves amongst with, with sheep clothing. In fact, let me pull a Bible here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Here's what Matthew says. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. It ain't nothing like getting devoured by somebody close. David had this. Y'all remember in David, his son Absalom tried to, he tried to revolt against David. And if you don't know the story, read it through the Psalms. And, and the Bible says that Absalom like literally tried to overtake David. He tried to create an insurrection against David. And the Bible says that David, when he realized that it was his own son, that it was his flesh and blood. Here's what David said in Psalm 55. For it is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. But it is you, my companion, close family. If it's somebody afar, we typically can get over it. The reason why bitterness sets in is because we typically get bit by people who look like sheaves, but they got wolf-like behavior. Where they begin to bite and they, and they begin to, to reject and they begin to hurt you. And this is why I said, I know how y'all came in the room. Let's get the church face out of here. Some of y'all came in the room and you are still bitter and you are still hurt. Why are you hurt? Because a wolf bit you and they portrayed themselves as a sheep. We have to be careful of wolves. I love the great theologians and philosophers, the OJs. I love the way they said it. They said, they smile in your face. The whole time they trying to take your place. And then he called them backstabbers. Oh, y'all know the song? I thought y'all was too young for that. 
called them backstabbers. It's good theology. The, the OJs call them backstabbers, but Luke will say, and Matthew will say, they're wolves. And many of us are guilty of entertaining in a relationship for too long wolves. And you know it by now. You've seen the behavior. You've seen the fangs. And you're wondering why you keep getting rejected and your heart keeps getting broken. And the pain, am I helping anybody? And the pain keeps setting in. The reason the pain keeps setting in is because we're entertaining people that we were never meant to be around. And I, by the way, I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how long you walk with the Lord. Do you know that the text just says that God, that Jesus gives them power and authority and they still got rejected? It doesn't matter how much you pray. It don't matter how much you read the word. This is why I said expect you can expect rejection. It doesn't matter if you fast. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you do it 40 days and 40 nights. It does not matter. You still will be rejected. If the disciples who can we agree had a closer walk with the Lord still had to experience rejection, hurt, and pain, can we agree that we're going to go through it too? We are all going to go through it. And so, number one, rejection will find you out. It will happen. Expect it. Number two, be cautious of your connections. Picking back up in verse 3. It said, and he said to them, take nothing for your journey. He says, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. For whatever house you enter into, stay there, and from there depart. Jesus says, when you enter into a town, you find a house, stay there. Here's what Matthew will say. Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 10 verse 11 says, whatever village you enter into, find a worthy person and stay there until you depart. Can we agree that if Jesus tells you to go into town and find a worthy person, then that means by implication that there are people that are unworthy of your time? Just, just by implication, if Jesus says that every house that you enter into, every person you connect with isn't worthy. And so Jesus is like, don't connect with everybody. Find a worthy person. Some translations say a worthy house. Stay there and do not depart from there. And this is why I said be cautious of your connections. Because many of us are entering into relationships and friendships and intimate relationships with just anybody. But there are some people who are not worthy of your time. There are some people who are not worthy of what God put in you. Here's why Matthew 7 says, do not cast your pearls before swine. And many of us have taken the thing, and that's the thing about pearls and swine. Many of you know how to identify the swine, but we don't know how to identify that God has put in us a pearl. And the pearl that's in you can't be cast everywhere. And some of you are dating swine. So, so some of you are working on a job that's very swinish. And what, what, what Jesus says is, don't take what is valuable. Don't, don't take what is honorable. Don't take the thing that I put in you and cast it anywhere. Don't cast it before swine because swine will waste your time. Bars. Why you was trying to rap though, bro? You know I'm, try, I'm trying to get this rap thing going and, you know, Z trying to take my shine. Listen, don't, don't shine swine time. I'm just, I'm just throwing it on. I don't know how to do a lot of it. That's what I got today. And some of y'all are going, Pastor, be real arrogant. Don't you ain't going to connect with everybody. It's not arrogance. It's awareness. Here's what I'm aware of. God put some pearls in me. And I can't take my pearls and put the young, some young lady, you need to hear me. The pearl is in you. The pearl is in you. And we've taken it. And this is why we've been rejected. Why? Because 
We're not cautious of our connections. We're not discerning of our connections. We are not aware of our connections. They might be nice. They might be cool, but they might not be for you. You ever been in a conversation and two minutes in, you was like, yeah, this ain't the one. This is not good. <laughs> you ever been on a date and you, you didn't even get past appetizers. You was like, this ain't the one. But I'm going to get dessert. Come on. <laughs> I know how y'all do. Be careful. Be careful of connections. You ever been in, in like, like around just a group of people and your heart was like, man, I really want to connect with these people. They seem like good people. And here's the thing. They might be good people, just not good people for you. That, that, that one you dated might be a good guy, just not the, a good guy for you. Let's not dog him. Let's not treat him like, you know, he, he, might, he might be a nice guy for somebody else. But he says, when you enter into the town, look for a worthy house. And once you find a worthy house or a worthy person, stay there. So I'm going to move quicker here. Expect rejection, number one. Number two, be cautious of your connections. Find a worthy house. And then, find, uh, and then number three, learn to let it go. Now, I'll be honest, we need therapy here. Yeah, ma- many of us need therapy here because many of us are holding on to the bitterness and the hurt and the pain, and we're not able to move on. Some of us are literally handicapped in that one spot. And sometimes we need help, and we need somebody to kind of ask us the right questions. Watch this. Learn to let it go. Verse number three. Verse number three says, Actually, go to verse 4. And whatever house you enter into, stay there and do not depart. And whoever does not receive you, there's rejection. When you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Let me say that again. Shake the dust off your feet. Shaking the dust off your feet is, a, is symbolic uh, to God's judgment. But I also think it represents the idea of moving on. Shaking the dust off your feet means I'm done with it. I'm not saying it's not hurting no more. I'm not saying I'm not bringing it up in counseling and therapy. I might still be working through it, but I'm not going to give you the satisfaction to know that you got me in the same place of hurt. I'm going to shake the dust off my feet and I'm going to keep it moving. And this is why I said some of us are stuck. And you know what I love is the apostles actually applied this in Acts 13. Kind of track with me here. In Acts 13, the, the, the apostles are trying to engage uh, with the Jews, and the Bible says that the Jews rejected them. Do you know what they did after they were rejected? The Bible says in verse 51, Acts 13, that they shook the dust off their feet as a warning against them, and then they went to Iconium. They, 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 they literally were like, you got to receive this gospel. They're like, nah, we don't want it. They went like this. And then they moved on. You should look at somebody and say, your feet just look a little dusty. You're still in the same spot. It's a little crusty, a little dusty. Shake the dust off your feet. There's a scripture here in Romans chapter 10 that says, how beautiful are the feet of those that carry the good news. I, I went to my wife one time. I was like, yo, I got to get these Jordans because the Bible says that your feet are beautiful if you carry the good news. But some of, some of you, are, aren't, you're, you're stuck, you're, you're almost, you, you feel like you can't move on, but you can. And this is why, you know, when I, when I hear young ladies say, I ain't dating again because he did me wrong. He was no good. And so all men are no good. Nah, it's, it's not that all men are no good. You just dated the wrong one. You dated one that was no good. And because he was no good to you, you've now classified all men as no good. And what I'm saying is you're stuck. Shake the dust off your feet. And there's another good brother out here. 
Same thing with the brothers. I hear the brothers say the same thing. I was talking to one of my boys earlier this week. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I, I just don't know. I'm like, bro, you 38. You do know. <laughs> like, Come on, man. What do you mean you don't know? She hurt you. Move on. Because we get stuck. We get stuck. So the Bible says here, shake the dust off your feet. I said it in the beginning that rejection creates offense. Take these notes. Offense creates bitterness and bitterness gets us paralyzed. We get stuck. We can't see out of it. We can't see ourselves in another relationship. We can't see ourselves starting that business. We can't see ourselves going for that promotion. Why? Because I was denied before. And honestly, man, this passage has actually been really, really um, helpful for me this week. And even this morning, it's just been really helpful because I feel like I'm in a season of pruning. You know what pruning is? Pruning is a cutting away. This is why Jesus says, I prune so that you bear more fruit. Because what you're doing is when Jesus says he's pruning, he's cutting stuff away that actually was dead weight and pulling nutrients from you. When you prune a tree, if a tree was here and I, I started pruning it, in fact, you two pruning. If you YouTube it, you'll, you'll see that there's, there's fruit that's dead, there's leaves that's dead, and instead of leaving it on there because it's still drawing the nutrients, it's just not, it's not, it's not bearing any more fruit. You cut it off so that the nutrients go straight to the healthy parts. And many of you are in that season as well. I feel like I'm in a season where God has been pruning me and God has been helping me get over, uh, be, get over bitterness and unforgiveness. And now I'm at the point where people are like, I don't want to be your friend no more. I'd be like, and I move right on. Why? Because I refuse to get stuck and be held bondage because I'm bitter. I refuse to get stuck. Too much kingdom work out here. Too, too much to do, too, too many people to engage with, too many friendships, too many, like, don't get stuck. It's life out here. So number one, he says, you find where I'm at, expect expectation, sheep amongst wolves. If, if you're going out and you're a sheep and you're going out around wolves, there will be rejection. Number two, be cautious of your connections. Find a worthy person when you, when you get to the town, enter their house and stay there. Then number three, learn to let it go. Shake the dust off your feet. Do you know what shaking the dust off your feet and letting it go does? It helps you to look for more opportunities. Final point, look for other opportunities. Watch what happens here. And I also want to show you what happens in, chapter, in, in, in Acts 13 as well. It says here in verse number five, and, 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 and wherever they, don't, they do not receive you, he says, when you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And then depart, they departed and they went through the villages, notice plural, so multiple villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Don't miss what happens. Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet if they don't receive you. They actually shook the dust off their feet. And you know what they did? Because they weren't held uh, to the rejection they begin to move on and preach the gospel. And because they were preaching the gospel, people were getting healed. Do you know Acts 13 does the same thing? Remember when I said that the Jews didn't receive them? Go to Acts 14. Because in Acts 14, when they get to Iconium, the Bible says, and there was a great multitude that believed. Why did they believe? Because the apostles shared the gospel. How were they able to share the gospel? Because they looked for other opportunities and did not get stuck in chapter 13 and get stuck going, please receive me. Please hear this gospel. Please. And that's the problem. Many of you aren't able to move on because you are stuck going, I know you'll like me one day. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. We're stuck on jobs because we're going, oh, they, they, hopefully they'll see these skills. They won't see the skills. 
move on. Because when you move on and you shake the dust off your feet, you are now able to see more clearly and look for other opportunities. And that, 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 that's really what I, what, what I want to drive to you today. I'm going I'm to drive this into your heart today, that there is something else that's greater than the rejection. There is. A, I know you can't see it. I know you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but there is something greater. And, and, and this is what you really need to do. Once you experience the rejection, instead of letting that grow bitterness into your heart, the first thing you should do is say, well, what's next? God, what else do you have for me? What else? I, I didn't get the promotion. All right, then you got something else for me. You close that door, then that got to mean another door is open. You hindered that relationship, well, he ain't the one. You hindered that relationship, well, she ain't the one. I now get to move on. And so the question that I now need to ask God is, God, what is next? And this is why I said, man, you know, I feel like I'm in that pruning season. It's very transitional for me. And I'll tell you this. The, 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 uh, the disposition of my heart has been, ah, man, I'm broken over these things, but you know what? I got to learn to move on because there's other people that you have that will replace them. Didn't Beyonce tell us that? Yeah. You can be replaced. Rejection has purpose. If you're right, rejection has purpose. Heartbreak actually has purpose. There are no it's somebody else's yes. Now, here's what I found out about rejection. A few things identify us more with Christ than rejection. Because do you know that, you know, the Bible says that we have a high priest that can empathize and sympathize with us. Why can he sympathize? Because you're experiencing rejection here on earth. Jesus experienced rejection here on earth. And his rejection was twofold. He experienced rejection from the people. But do you know that he also experienced rejection from his, from his father? Why? Because of our sin, not because of his. Let me bring this, this verse up for you. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. He was despised and rejected by men. God looked at on, from, from heaven and looked down on his son that he always dwelt in fellowship with, saw our sin on him and rejected him. And what did Jesus say? My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you rejected me? Why? So that you'll never be rejected by God. You know, we might experience rejection here on earth, but I will never be rejected by God because Jesus already was rejected. And because Jesus rejected and absorbed all of my sin, I now can go before God the Father and be like, I've got confidence. I know I ain't rejected because Jesus already was. It's called the gospel message of Christ. But some of you, while you're still here on earth, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm, this is not morbid, but I, I can't wait for the day that I'm with the Lord and I don't have to experience, because there is no rejection in heaven. We just all around the throne worshiping, kneeling, singing, partying. That's why I told you all D-Night's got to be in heaven, because it's just like, a, it's going to be a dope party. <laughs> but here on earth, we will experience rejection. And somebody in this room, the whole time I'm preaching, you're going, oh, man, he's talking, how does he know? I am bitter. I, I have been hurt. I can't move on. I want to pray for you today. If you're that person that is experienced and struggling with rejection and you're, you're struggling with bitterness, can you just come down to the altar so that we can pray together? I told y'all this has been helping me all week. I see you coming. Come on, come on down. And whatever the rejection is, Come on down, come on down. Whatever the rejection is, whatever it is, would you come?
Thank you for coming. I know sometimes, you know how it is in church, man. We get that church face on. Y'all, come on. Y'all spread on out here. Who is it that you're loyal to the rejection? And that's the worst part. Y'all hear me that's on this altar and those of you who are in your seats. That's the worst part about rejection. Sometimes we can stay in a place so long based on loyalty. Ah, man, I, I, nobody else will accept me. I put too much time in here. I can't move on. This is my identity. No, Christ is my identity. Boo-boo, I got to move on from you. Who is it? Thank you for coming. That's loyal to rejection. Rejection has become normal. Thank you, bro, for coming. Rejection has become normal. It's functional dysfunction. Father, I thank you for these young ladies, this young brother that's on this altar. I see the tears. You can almost feel the pain. And so, Lord, we, we don't want to, we really don't want to be bitter. Bitterness is not good for our hearts, Lord. And many of us, we're held bondage. We're, we're in chains to what somebody else did. Lord, help us not to give them the, even the satisfaction of knowing that they hurt it. Help us to move on. And it might hurt. We might still be in pain. But Lord, would you put around us people that can remind us that we need to shake the dust off our feet and look for other opportunities. Would you put counselors and therapists and people who can can steer our hearts in a, in a way that typical conversations can't. Lord, would you do that for this altar? And even those that didn't come down, we all deal with rejection. But Lord, let the rejection not set in. Father, forgive us because some of us have become not just bitter, but we become angry and we complain and we gossip on other people. And we do that, not just those on the altar, but we do that all because at the core of it, God, we're really just hurt. We're really just hurt. And we want to move on, God. We want to move on from it. So would you help them to understand, as the song said, that you really are more than enough. That you really are more than enough. That you supply us with the things that we need. And one of them is the ability to move on. So Father, I thank you. As I prayed earlier, the spiritual surgery that is going on on this altar, the spiritual surgery that's going on online, the spiritual surgery that's going on while we're sitting in our seats. Father, I pray, oh God, that you would continue to work on us. Lord, we realize that there's nothing mystical on this altar. We still got to have hurt. We still got to have pain. But Lord, we do have a mechanism to deal with it, and that is you. We do have a comforter to deal with it, and that is you. We do have somebody that empathizes with us, and that is you. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that we would become better, better people, better husbands, better wives, better, better students, better friends, because we're walking in a holistic health and we're not walking in bitterness. So we thank you. Trust you with our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.